Welcome to the Nexia Melbourne podcast, designed to help accountants grow their practices. This podcast interviews the knowledge base in the Nexia accounting firm to provide you with insights and examples of how to better advise your clients, helping you retain your bigger clients and grow your practice. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the next year podcast, accounting advice for accountants. We've got uh, Vito Indelandi here today, so long-term uh, friend and business associate of myself. So I've been looking forward to chatting to you today, Vito. So for, for those who don't know you, please introduce yourself and what you do here at Nexia. Well, you already know my name. So what I do, I'm a director of corporate and business services. Mm, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, I get I, I that <laughs> um, Well, corporate services is we, we handle the transactional side, which is, you know, evaluations, M&A. So we do all the DDs, put the deal, help put the deal together. We do IPOs, um, investigating accountants, experts reports. So that is about 50, 60% of the time and the rest of the time it's um, – looking after the my large clients where we help them do business improvement strategies and we act as quasi CFO for them. Ah, so everything that's not compliance orders or any traditional accounting stuff. Oh, we still do the compliance piece, but okay. we we make sure that our clients, well my, all my clients, all their compliance is handled by a specialist team. Mm. You just can't be an expert in everything. Yeah, yeah. So we made the decision years ago that all the compliance part will be done by a business services director and we just make sure that the client's needs are met and then we focus on providing the CFO services, which which they seem to value a lot more. Mm. And those clients tend to be long-term. Until, well, they're always long-term until the need for an internal CFO comes along. Yeah. Uh, although that being said, I've still got uh, two very large clients in excess of $200 million turnover who've got their own financial controller and uh, CFO and they retain us to do the board meetings, the um, KPI reporting, mm. budgets, uh, 
we do all their variance reporting. And once a month, we, we uh, sit down and have a formal board meeting with the, their own CFO. So it's really to have that external sort of guidance. Well, they, they like it. Yeah, yeah they, they like the uh, second check, mm. um, like a sanity check. Look, I have worked in the corporate world. Um, you, and in corporate, you find out that uh, month end happens every month. Uh, <laughs> and by the time you finish the, that month end, uh, you're now one or two weeks behind the current month and the, their focus then is to catch up and get ready for the next month end. Mm-hmm. So the, an internal finance team, if they don't have the right leverage, they're, they're constantly just focused on the knitting making yeah. sure their transactions are going through properly and they don't have a lot of time for deep dive analysis. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we come in and provide that. Well, so, I mean, you, you deal across different industries, different companies, and also in the practice here you've got hundreds of different clients. So yeah. you probably have a wider exposure. You know, they probably can't see the forest for the trees, for instance, compared yeah. to... You know, they might know their industry well, but maybe there might be other industries where they could learn from. So it's oh, that, that, that independence, I think. That too, that too. But you do, the client will always teach you the um, finer details of what happens in their business. Mm. And sometimes you can see something that they haven't seen. Yeah, yeah, well, externalized. Yeah. So tell me, you, you mentioned your own sort of corporate experience. Can you take me back to sort of, uh, you know, first job yeah, and, and first job. through the journey? Was it a paper round where you know, orange juice salesman at your local oh, school? Oh, gee, you won't go that far. <laughs> 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 I knew this stuff was relevant. No, well, it wasn't relevant. No, well, I, well, well, I like most kids, was a waiter yeah. for a long time, uh, ended up running a place, uh, then ended up buying a place. A restaurant? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. was a partner in one. Um, highly recommend don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Australia's been challenged lately. Probably yeah. some bargains around, I guess. Uh, lots of bargains around. Yeah. Uh, and then um, the first real job was at May Nicholas Security Express Division. Yeah. Um, looking after oh, probably close enough to 5,000 guard services around the country. So was this before you did your accounting degree? Or? I was uh, I was one, I had one year to go with the accounting degree and I got a job at Main Nick. Oh, so you went straight to corporate, not even as an accountant? I was. I oh, was. you were an accountant? Yeah, accountant. I was assistant head office accountant. Ah, okay. Unfortunately, it was a newly created position, mm. so they didn't, well, I ended up doing just about everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably unfortunately, but fortunate for the experience, I guess. It was. It was. Yeah. And then um, became um, a head cost accountant at uh, Henderson Springs, which was interesting. And that's where you discover those two experiences. Uh, I hated month end. Yeah. M- month end came around way too quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is he sorting out fires or doing other oh, things between? The, and that was the good old days before. Um, Com, you know, sophisticated desktop computers mm. trying to do a bank wreck with the old uh, adding machines. Not, oh, not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, with paper rolls ticking over. Yeah, yeah all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah there was paper everywhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the insane practice of printing out every check owed to a creditor and then putting it in a file waiting for when you want to release it. Wow. Isn't that? It was good fun. Yeah. Right? 
Although, though now you can't find, you know, if you can't find something, it's like it's digitally, it's all on the cloud somewhere. It's like, yeah. So the, the only disaster is if you can't get it. Yeah. 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 Someone hacks into you and you, you know, yeah. it's all another sort of uh, conversation. Fingerings full of paper. Yeah. So, so and you did a, a CPA and a chartered accounting, you know, I noticed, which yeah. is just overachieving, you know, trying to impress somebody there. Was you, were you, you well, there, was a, there was a need for that. The, uh, for both? Yeah, 80, 87. When, um, you know, the, we were told we were a banana republic and things had to change. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a great crash came along. The, um, to get a job as an accountant in a, in, a, in a good practice, they were taking CAs and not CPAs. Oh, yeah. Then I ended up getting a job at a CA firm, Berg Cameron, and they basically said, well, yeah, you can get the job, but... You have to be a CA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you agree to enrol to do the CA and get it, yeah, um, you've got potential to become a partner. Mm, mm. So that's why I did it. Yeah. So I had the CPA first. That was the. the that was the CPA soon after uni. Yeah, and then had to get the CA. Oh well, you got both. That's good. So I got both. Yeah. And so you you progressed from private practice into your own accounting practice, I believe. Yes. So what was, what made you do that? Did you get sick of a month end and you thought I'll Go on the other side? No, or? no, no. My, my, um, oh, that was before Berg Cameron. Um, my tax lecturer rang me up when I was at Henderson Springs and said, I've got a practice. I'm thinking of retiring. Mm. Um, come work with us. The old uh, transition. Mm. Yeah. Um, so got out of corporate. I went into practice and I thought, this is good. Yeah. Did you enjoy it more or was it just different? Oh, I enjoyed it far more. Okay. What, what do you like about it? You meet different people and you look after what they're doing and you get so much more exposure to a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Because so, you're a bit of an entrepreneur and a people person, so I guess that fits yeah, personality a bit well. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. So, um, so then you came and joined here. How did that come about? We merged. Ah, you merged. It, so it was a roll-up. Yeah. So after uh, – Berg Cameron, it became Cameron's because the partners there split from Berg Cameron and that was in Turak. Uh, and then we, we, were across, we were actually across the road and we wanted to, mer- well, my other partners wanted to merge. I was quite happy doing what I was doing. Mm. Uh, and we, did, we agreed to merge with um, the boys here. Mm. Was it Hayes Night or was it in pre that days? Pre those days. It was yeah. called McDonald Carter. Oh, oh, I didn't even know that. There you go. Then became Hayes Night. Then became Nexia. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah long road <laughs> to get here. So what sort of clients, you've talked about the sort of, you know, you've got the, the bigger clients and then you've got sort of, um, you know, more unusual projects, M&As and those yeah. sorts of things, divestiture. So this, this show is four other accountants. And they probably don't come across those as often. They're probably not doing the, uh, you know, the virtual CFO. They're probably more occasionally coming across an unusual situation where one of their companies they're managing, the bigger ones, probably their their, uh, larger businesses, are looking to, you know, do something like an M&A, which they mightn't have done many of before. So we want to give some advice specifically to them, but also... Because you are, um, you know, you've done a lot of uh, entrepreneurial activities, we want to talk to or give them some advice about how to grow their business. 
So let's start off with that first because obviously every accountant out there who, you know, a lot of them are going to be in their senior years and probably looking to either hand over their business or sell or do something and having a consistent growth pattern is going to help them to maximize their their, their investment in their own business. So what would you advise for them to do first off? Uh, really have a look at your client base mm-hmm. and look at those clients who don't buy just just buy one particular service from you. Um, have a hard look at them and, and look at what you're writing off on those clients. And if you can't uh, either do the work far more efficiently or you can't increase your fee to the value that they should be paying, then you need to start looking at making a decision about whether you want to keep them mm. or package them up and sell them. Yeah. Because... Uh, Usually the Pareto principle says that 80% of your time is spent on those clients who really don't value your service. They just give you, uh, they just keep you really busy. And there's that 20% that actually do give you uh, a, a return on what you, you put into them. Mm-hmm. And you might have a handful of those, but you've got a whole bunch of other people who are constantly uh, taking time away from you. Yeah. And for an accountant, we sell time. Yeah. Right? And knowledge, you know. Yeah, well, it comes with the time. you still got to invest time to get that knowledge as well. You yeah. You've got to do your CPD. You've gone, uh, you, you just have to put in the, the hard yards. Yeah. But you want to get a return. You need to value your time. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you've got to make the decision that big's not always beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and you may need to shrink in order to grow more effectively. The next thing you, you should always look at is after you've looked at your clients with, and they might be only buying compliance services from you um, and maybe some tax planning advice. Mm. So talk to them about sitting down, let's do tax plan at the beginning of the year. And for you to do that, you have to ask them whether they've got a budget and if they don't have a budget, you have the opportunity to talk to them about helping them create a budget that's meaningful. Yeah. And that way you can show your client this is the amount of tax you're going to pay and we could do the tax planning piece well before the 30 for June. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you can actually do something about it. Yeah, so it's too late when your client usually comes in and says, You've done their tax return and they go, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't expect I was going to be paying that much money yeah. and I've got no cash. So what do I do? Yeah. Well, it's all too late then, isn't it? It's, yeah. It is what it is. Mm. You can't magically pull a rabbit out of your, your, yeah, your hat and say, oh, yeah, I found you a massive tax deduction. Let's mm. go. Mm. Right? So we, I always do my tax planning piece after we've done the budget. Yeah. Because we and, and the conversation with the client never at year end turns into a shock horror story. I've still got a whole bunch of clients that only want tax returns done. Yeah. That's fine. But I don't spend any t- much time at all with them. Yeah. Uh, I sp- the, the other BA partners look after producing that tax return. Because they're efficient at doing that they're particular They're far time. more efficient. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's really what it's about, I guess, is... For these smaller accounts who don't have a, a suite of partners to go to and deep staff. That's when it gets hard, yeah. Yeah, is looking at, well, what are they really good at? What's their speciality? Mm. And then how could they get advice 
from someone like yourself or another partner to, um, I guess, grow that section of their business that's more profitable and maybe divest yeah. or get their staff to manage some of the lower. Look, and it can be done. It can be done. I met a an accountant out in um, Moravin. He was. And we were chatting. And he, he, he took that very view of I had a whole bunch of clients, lots of clients, lots of staff, uh, a couple of partners, and we all sat down and said, all we seem to do is hire some more people yeah. so we can produce tax returns and then have to fight to get paid. Mm. So they went through and analysed their client base mm. and basically sat down with their clients and negotiated the fee up front yeah. at the beginning of the year and said, your compliance is going to cost you this much. Mm. If you don't like it, you, you don't have to sign. Yeah. Right. And they focused on the twenty percent of the clients that were given them eighty percent of the money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And now he's got. So he went from twenty staff to six, mm. two partners. Yeah. He goes. I make more money now than I did before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and less still headaches. Right? And I've got work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really what it's about. It's about getting a good lifestyle and profit. I mean, revenue is nice. Yeah, we don't do this for fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just for fun sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but also you want to be paid. Yeah, well, you, you don't want to, um, you know, you, your time is your time. So when you come to work, you, you want to know that you're going to get um, a good day's work in. Mm. You've serviced your clients. You've delivered good quality product. And you've been paid for it. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I guess, you know, it's that specialization, which is sometimes difficult for, say, a local accountant who doesn't have, um, you know, they maybe have a geographic reach and not necessarily an industry reach um, because that's what they've just naturally acquired, people coming in off the street. Uh, However, they've got an opportunity to change that, right? They do. And to, instead of take what's given, is to go out and get what they, they want. Focus on what you're strong at. Mm. Focus. If you love what you're doing and you love the industry that you you, you really know, mm. focus on that. Become yeah. become a champion in, in that industry. And you will then attract the type of clients that want to want your advice, want your time, and are happy to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, but it's – I've been um, in the transaction space we get referrals from lots of accountants. Transactions, you mean? In valuations or can you do a DD yeah, do uh, or can you help me? Uh, we did a costing assignment for a sole practitioner in Coburg. He just didn't have time. Yeah. He wanted to do it, but he did, first of all, he goes, the last time I did it was when I was in uni. I think he was 40 at the time. Yeah. And, he, and, I, and now he refers... Uh, he sticks to what he loves doing, mm. what he what he knows to do, yeah. uh, uh, looking after his clients and consulting to them, yeah. and anything that is is not that uh, particular service skill set, he'll pick up the phone and ring us. Yeah, but I, I see that as wise now in terms of you know so much more is of accounting is, is not compliance because compliance is relatively. Uh, straightforward in a lot of cases, I would say. Uh, I know, for zero, clients. And, and, you know, QuickBooks have made bookkeeping a lot easier. Yeah. So, so then you've got the more, you know, the time spent on the more complex advisory, 
which is very relationship based because you got to know them in, in order to understand them. Yes, um, and that's and that's where I guess a local accountant has that opportunity to get to know their clients over a long period, but they're not going to know every single yeah. facet of tax compliance and investment, which is why they can reach out to someone like yourself. They have to reach out. Yeah, um, with. With the, every uh, account, whether he's a multi-partner firm or, or a sole practitioner, if he focuses on, if you only see your client once a year to do their tax return, well, all you're going to get is that compliance piece, mm. which is going to be benchmarked over to what others in, in the industry are charging for that service because it's compliance. Mm. It's, it's a history lesson about what happened and yeah. you usually give your client that history lesson, you know, three, four months after the fact. Yeah. You know, how much money did I make? Well, the client already knows that. He's got zero, he's got accounts, he can look at it. Yeah. Right? And if he doesn't know, uh, well, he'll either ring you and says, well, what does this mean? But now you'll find that most people running their own business have got a good idea, did I make money or not this year? Yeah. Profit. Yeah, right. I've got zero. I look at my profit and loss, you know, okay. every week. <laughs> so turn the conversation around and talk about cash flow, mm. right? Because profit doesn't always equate to cash. Yeah, right. We've made sure of that. Being accountants, we muddy the water enough, <laughs> right? I, I see that my uh, my friend who runs his own carpentry business is like. You know, his accountant says he's made all this money. He goes, but where is it? Where is it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> common, common story. Yeah. Uh, and so at the end of the year, give them a KPI report. Mm. You know, compare year on year. There's plenty of tools out there that that will help you do KPI reports by pressing a button. Mm. Mm. Um, and explain it, I guess. Explain it. And what uh, can they do about it? And and talk about the difference between profit and cash. Mm. You know, you, you've got clients, some clients go, oh, I've had a really, really good year, I've got no money. Mm. Right? Well, are they, where is it? Is it in your debtors or in your creditors? Yeah. Right? Because usually it's tied up in their working capital. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and that's the value piece because if you change the conversation from, oh, here's your tax return, you have to pay this, mm. to here's your tax return plus now let's look at why you didn't make the cash that you made last year. And do budget. Because clients are interested in cash. Yeah. You can't eat profit. Yeah. You can only eat cash. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Right. And and then you've got the advisory elements in that. And then an advisory is is time spent talking, not necessarily time spent crunching numbers. That's right. So then you focus, exactly, you focus on your client that goes, oh, that's great. I want to make more money next year. Well, and then look, you can change the conversation and say, well, okay, well, let's do a budget mm. and you and a business plan. Mm. It doesn't have to be a war and peace business plan. Just yeah. a one-page plan is easy. Right? And work out what he wants to do with his business over the next 12 months and how he's going to fund it to see if he can reach that cash target. Yeah. Right? And bring someone like us and do, quick, do a quick valuation, which is not a full value, it's a calc. Let's look at what your business is worth now, and if you follow that business plan in the next five years, your business will be worth X. Yeah. Right? That sort of conversation, most the good ones, the clients that really want to grow, will turn around and say, well, how do we get there? Yeah. And then your answer is, well, let's have quarterly meetings together, and we'll track how you're going. Yeah. So we can take corrective action when you're not going to hit those targets. Yeah. That becomes a meaningful conversation. 
And and if they're gonna if they can see that in five years they're gonna double their business, then they're willing to pay fees to do that because they're getting evaluation. Whereas compliance is is a it's like buying tires. No one wants to do it, but you you've got to do it every year. So then it becomes a more positive relationship as well because you're now That's adding right. value. So, That's right. So now your time is spent servicing a client that values your time. Mm. They want to see you because they're like, great. That's right. And yeah. you, with all those clients that we do this particular, you know, we, we look after their, we have monthly meetings, we have some quarterlies, we've got some on six months, right? So the more mature ones will go, no, we only want to meet once a quarter. Yeah. You um, negotiate the fee up front mm. by using that service and they all agree to pay me monthly. Yeah. So right. you're getting regular cash flow. And yeah, and then I don't have to spend any time ringing up debtors. Yeah. Makes it far more efficient. So reducing cost as well as increasing That's revenue. Right. And then your job as the accountant is to make sure you don't end up with a huge amount of write-offs because you're giving all this service mm. that you haven't been able to include into the fee. Yeah. And that's and that comes from making sure your team understands that if if the work isn't to your standard as agreed upon up front, you're gonna have to spend more time, therefore you're gonna charge that time. Yeah. Or if the client you come out of a and see the other thing, you come out of a board meeting, every time you come out of a board meeting with your client, and most accountants will know this, you go see a client, he'll ask you a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. And out of that, there might be two or three assignments mm. that you might need to do. Yeah. You, you, you put them into an engagement letter. You agree the price. Yeah. And they're happy with that. Yeah, because they know up front. And that's really what people don't want is surprise shock bills. That's, that's right. You know, if it's all agreed up front and they go, I've committed to it, then they, they're fully in agreement with it. That's yeah. right. You, you have this conversation with clients. that You, you produce the tax return and send them an invoice for $5,000. He'll look at last year and go, well, you're going to charge me four last year. What happened? Yeah. Right? They don't understand the concept of CPI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for their customers, yeah. not for, not Why for themselves. Why it cost me 5000 yeah. My friend, he's got a business like mine yeah. and he only pays two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why are you charging me four or five? Right? You, 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 just, you, you can't have the conversation with a client and say, well, your business is different. Because he's been at the pub with his mate and he only pays two two grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he hasn't provided you with appropriate documentation or... He doesn't even know what... The, he probably doesn't even know how much his, his mate turns over. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. He's paying too. Yeah. You're ripping me off. Yeah. Right. Because it looks so worse. And, that, and that's the thing is it's really a change of... And I, and I think a lot of accounting practices are having to go through this change as compliance becomes easy to do yourself and prices fall they're becoming more business advisory. And I think people are struggling to make that transition or some, some counts. So do you help them with that? Are you available to... Yeah, we, we, we can. We can. Um, I, I, all accountants like to be in control. Right? And sometimes you just got to let go of that control just a wee bit just so you can focus on not working in your business mm. but just working on your business. Mm. Right? Making sure you're running a business, not work, not as you haven't bought yourself a job, a job because yeah. now I'm a now I'm a partner in an accounting firm and all I do is spend twelve hours a day churning out work. Yeah, yeah, and that's that transition is a sort of sounds like it's almost a mental transition. It's a how do I change my mindset from just doing the work and oh, I want more money, I'll do more work to 
being more effective in your work, which sometimes requires a third party to look at it. You know, no, no different to what a, an auditor would do is look yeah. at your account separately. Definitely. You've got to leverage. Mm. If you don't leverage into good people that you – look, it's never going to be the way you want it. It's never going to be 100% as if you did it yourself. Yeah. Because all accountants think that what I do is better than what he can do. Yeah. Right? Um, but you've got to let go a little bit so you can grow. Yeah. yeah. And you can focus on your good clients. Mm. You can go see them and talk to them about what do we do next? Yeah. How are you going? Yeah. So you actually work with other accounting firms to help them with this process? Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay, good. And then if they have specific industry questions like we had Andrew Warren's in talking about charities and private schools and we had Tino in talking about self-managed super funds. So therefore you would refer to those specialty areas if that particular accounting practice said, oh, we want to really move into self-managed super funds, for instance. Yeah. Then you could you could provide the, the breadth of experience from next year to, to help them in those areas as well. Yeah, or sometimes it might be just simply to outsource that particular piece. Yeah, well, that's what I mean, is outsource that piece, mm. but they retain the client, which is and the important part. Yeah. There's nothing worse. You're not going to be much of an outsource uh, uh, help if you start stealing clients. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Well, you've been doing this for years, so I mean, no. you've got a good reputation for doing that. So. No, I have to get on my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with, um, let's talk about something specific that, they, that you could advise. And, and uh, one of the things we talked about was a family charter. So mm-hmm. can you kind of explain that a bit more and this might be a evaluated service they could start offering? Oh, There'll be a lot of people out there that will have uh, family-run businesses. So let's, let's do just a sample, for example. Uh, Mum and dad run, run um, Safe Freight business. Mm-hmm. They've built it up. They've got a whole bunch of trucks, a whole bunch of blokes working there, doing, doing okay. And they have uh, two or three sons or just children, now working in the business who love working in the business. Right? So they've been there a few years, they get older, and then you have to start working out. You're having a board meeting. So what happens, family businesses usually have a board meeting at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Where they're talking about business. Mm. Right? So depending on if you've got an older son who is, is you know running operations or you've got another one doing maintenance, you start thinking about, well, these these guys, they want to have a say in the direction of the business. Mm. And it always ends up in a fight. Mm. Right? Or, the new way versus the old way. Yeah, modernization. No, you know, Dad, you don't listen to me. I've given you suggestions. You're, you're stuck in your way. And there's usually a lot of family businesses don't have a, a written business plan. Mm. So dad's got an idea in his head. His business plan's in his head. He's been doing this for, you know, 40 years. Mm. Sons don't understand that business plan because mm. they think they should be doing something else. There's no uh, structure, organisational structure. Who's really in charge? Is, and, and who, normally is it the oldest or the second child or the third child? Yeah. Who, who's the boss? Mm. Right? Uh, and what happens when mum and dad want to retire? Mm. Do we have to sell the business what happens to us then when yeah. we, my mum and dad retire, if they sell the business, why should we stay here? Yeah. Right, what's in it for us? How does mum and dad get their super? Because their super probably is their business. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Right? So you start having a conversation about formalising it. Yeah. 
And the family charter is basically, for another word, is a shareholders agreement. Ah, so it's, yeah. right, these are the rules. Yeah. This is how we have our board meetings. Mm. Um, you need a business plan. Right, so you can talk to your client about, okay, let's do a family charter. That'll take all the arguments away from the dinner table. Yeah. So Christmas lunch doesn't end up being a screaming match between, you know, the, the second child and the third child yeah. because he's always telling me what to do. Right? You set it up on paper so yeah. they know this is how it works. Yeah. Right? Business plan. This is the where we're going. You would write. You would help them, like the, the local you coach accountant. them through. Yeah, the local accountant would assist them, uh, and if they've never written one, like you know your friend who hadn't done one since uni, you could assist with the first one, or and then they would learn the skills. That's to, right. And, to you, be doing and you, yeah, you can you can write a business plan. Mm. Right. Um, it doesn't have, like I said, it doesn't have to be war and peace. Yeah. It's it's a blueprint on where we're going in the next five years. And these are the things that we're going to do over the next five years. And it might be some marketing, it might be new acquisitions, it might be whatever you want. Yeah. Right? Which could be really important. I mean, the, you know, the son or daughter who's, who's going to be taking over from mum and dad might have a different idea of where they're going in the future. Completely. They've never talked about it. That's right. So even just getting that document's a massive achievement. So. Yeah. Well, usually your second child never gets a say. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was the third child. I didn't have any say. That's right. You just did whatever all the others did. Yeah. Right? And whether you agree with it or not is up to you. If you don't agree with it, what usually happens is that particular child leaves the business. Yeah, correct. That's right. right? Yeah. And mum and dad are devastated because they were hoping that they all stay in the business mm. and, and that sort of stuff. Or none of the siblings want to work in the business at all and mum and dad have got the option of, oh, okay, who's going to run this business because I want to retire? I don't want to work five days a week anymore. And the question then arises is, well, what's your business worth? So you've got a valuation piece in there. Mm. To do a valuation, usually you need a cash flow budget. Yeah. So you sit down with your client and say, all right, let's do a budget. Let's plan how you're going to get out. So you now talk about estate planning. Uh, uh, you you talk to them about go get your wills done. Yeah. Uh, what have you got in super? Have you got enough to retire? It's a whole talk range of different things. So I can just yeah. It, it's about life. You know, these people have invested a lifetime, and you know the org structure. What's it look like? So if you've got children working in the business, org structure, business plan, yeah. cash flows are done. Everyone knows the journey that where this bus is going, yeah. right? And if they don't want to go in that direction, they just simply get off the bus. This yeah. is not for me, yeah. right? And usually, either they all on the same bus, or they get off, yeah. right? And the thing is, I guess that you know, there's they also probably haven't considered other ways of of exiting. They might think, oh well, I own it and I sell it, which is binary, but. You could have a management takeover. Right. You could have a part ownership. You could sit on the board. You, there's lots of varieties of things that they maybe haven't considered. That's right. And so it's about opening their eyes to these sort of conversations. It's about having conversations with your client and say, okay, what are we doing? Mm. If you want to have a family charter, these are the steps involved. Yeah. So understand the expectations of the people working in the business. Yeah. And that, that's your children. Yeah. What do they really want? Which is great value add, you know, yeah. compared to compliance. So. And it's a matter of sitting down and talking to each of the family members to understand what they want. Mm. And does it fit with what the owners of the business, mum and dad, want mm. and where they want to go? Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's, I can see how it, A, 
you know, gives better value to the client, but also, you know, creates so much opportunity for new work uh, in a particular area. So, uh, a, f- a family charter is to do it properly at least seventy-five to ninety thousand dollars worth of time. Yeah, I, I can see, and you can see where it goes. It's a, there's a lot of stuff to if consider. You, if, if the business is worth a million to you know ten million, then it's very worthwhile doing, obviously. Well, either that, or they end up losing family members, and Christmas is no longer Christmas together. Yeah, and then what's that worth? Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, that's what happens. Mm. The, the people bring that stress back into the family. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then you end up sitting there saying, "Okay, we're having Christmas dinner together," and. Number two brother rings up and says, if he's going to be there, I'm not coming. Yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, 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 it comes back to people at the end of the day, really, doesn't it? It's well, about numbers, but people, you know, people are buying those. You, you can't make money without people. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and talk about culture too. Mm. So you, there, there's so much more uh, any accountant in practice can do as long as he understands his client has those conversations and it's a process over time. Mm. Mm. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, but people stick with their accounts for, you know, quite a long tenure generally if they're mm. happy. So you get that time to get to know them over the years. So. Yeah, as long as they, only, they don't just come in just for the tax return once a year. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, again, going back to the very start of yeah. the conversation about choosing the right client. So look, we'll, we'll finish up there. I, I think that was very useful for any accountant to listen to to, just start thinking about their own business, you know, before you start advising other, you know, your clients about looking at their business, look internally <laughs> about how you're running yours and get some external advice in order to help you plan for your practice. You know, how many accountants would have plans for their practice? Probably not that many. Uh, do your own work on, on your own business before you then start offering it out um, and, you know, get some help choosing a speciality and, and, and really driving a, um, a plan to grow the value of your business and your time. So I appreciate your time, Vito. Can we get you back in for another lesson? Uh, sure. Lesson, another <laughs> session, I should say. Um, and we'll delve into some of those areas more specifically mm-hmm. uh, and get some more examples because I think the examples really sort of add colour to the, to the um, uh, advice so they can follow it a bit more specifically. And if they want to get in touch, uh, can we provide your email address sure. and your LinkedIn profile perhaps and they no can problem. contact you through there? Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Vito, and Thank have you. a good day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Next in Melbourne podcast, the podcast designed to help grow your accounting practice. The contents of this podcast is for general information only and not to be used for specific advice purposes or for formulating decisions. Nexia Melbourne PTY Limited, its directors and its employees excludes all liabilities relating to relying on the information and ideas contained within. Nexia Melbourne, ABN 46109590169, is an independent firm of chartered accountants with a limited liability by a scheme approved under the professional standards legislation. It is affiliated with, but independent from, Nexia Australia PTYLTD. Nexia Australia PTYLTD is a member of Nexia International, a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. To gain specific advice from our firm, please contact us at info at nexiamelbourne.com.au.